0: Good morning, everybody, and happy Easter. I want to tell you the story of the resurrection from the point of view of one of the main witnesses. Jesus met thousands of people in Galilee. Tens of thousands of people came to see him, to receive help from him, to be healed by him. And one of those tens of thousands of people was a lady called Mary. She came from a village in Galilee called Magdala. And so she's known to us as Mary Magdalene. And Luke chapter 8 tells us that having been healed of some evil power and sickness uh, cast out of her body, she made an astonishing decision Amongst a number of other women, she decided she was going to help Jesus' discipleship team as they traveled around Galilee, and so she traveled with them. Such was her devotion to Jesus, her belief in him, that she followed him around, helped him, worked with the apostles, and was part of the inner core of disciples for a period of time. And then... Shortly after that, Jesus made a really big decision. Luke chapter 9 tells us that Luke decided uh, Jesus decided uh, to set himself resolutely to go to Jerusalem, to leave Galilee. He'd been there for three years, traveling around, ministering, incredibly popular, incredibly successful. But after three years, he told his inner core of disciples, <clears throat> I must go to Jerusalem. And he told them this message with a certain earnestness and seriousness. He uh, prophetically indicated that when he went to Jerusalem, there'd be a confrontation with the authorities. He even indicated he'd be dying and rising again from the dead. And some of his followers went with him. It was a hundred-mile journey as the crow flies, And they would have stopped on the way numerous times. It would have taken weeks, possibly even months with all the detours and preaching and traveling and everything else that happened. Nobody knew how long it was going to take. And Mary chose to go with him on his last visit to Jerusalem. It was a big choice traveling on foot that 100-mile uh, journey all the way south to the capital city of Jerusalem. So when Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem in triumph with a huge crowd on what we now call Palm Sunday, which we celebrate last Sunday in the Christian calendar, undoubtedly Mary was in the crowd. And when the next day Jesus went into the Jewish temple and he overturned all the tables of the money changers and the traders, Mary would have been there. She would have taken up residence in some lodging in the city. And Mary knew Jesus's mother, also called Mary who also traveled with them to Jerusalem on that fateful journey along with some other women disciples. And then on Thursday evening when the Last Supper took place and Jesus gathered just the twelve, Mary would have been aware of what's going on. And then when Jesus was betrayed by Judas Iscariot, word would have got out that evening to all the other disciples in the city. It was a very small city, Jerusalem, that Jesus had been arrested. And of course, Jesus was put on trial overnight, brought before um, Pontius Pilate first thing on Friday morning and crucified at nine o'clock in the morning on Friday. And the extraordinary thing is, That amongst the witnesses of the crucifixion named in the Gospels, and there aren't very many of them, not many of the the 12 were there because they'd been terrified by Jesus' arrest. But named, according to John, chapter 19, verse 25. Very moving verse. As Jesus died... Literally, in the agonies of death, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And also, it says in the next verse, the the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, the writer of John's gospel. So Mary... Mary Magdalene traveled all that journey, saw the triumphal entry, saw the money tables turned over in the temple, heard about the Last Supper, heard about Gethsemane. And did she run for cover? No, she came to the foot of the cross and stood there and watched. And then when Jesus died, At 3 p.m. on Good Friday, extraordinarily enough, Mary Magdalene stayed around the area of the crucifixion, and a man called Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea, who was referred to in one of our songs earlier on, went to Pontius Pilate and asked for the body. And he and another friend called Nicodemus, two rich men who lived in Jerusalem, they buried Jesus in a tomb that Joseph had prepared for his own family use. But then an extraordinary thing comes out in our text. Who was it who went to the tomb to watch the burial? Matthew 27, verse 57. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and placed it in his own new tomb that he cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting opposite the tomb. And this burial had to take place by 7 p.m. sunset on that day. There were four hours between Jesus' death and his burial. And Mary Magdalene waited and watched and saw where the body was laid. And so when we come to the story of the resurrection, as told in John's gospel, we find a very interesting thing. John 20, verse 1, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Daybreak in Israel in April is about 6.30 in the morning. So she left her lodgings somewhere between 5.30 and 6 in the morning in, in the dark. We know that other women went to the tomb. They probably went separately and met Mary there. John highlights Mary's situation. Such is the dedication of this lady that not only has she seen the gruesome death of Jesus, not only has she seen the tragic burial of Jesus, but that she is determined to be the first person at the tomb on the uh, first available opportunity because she wasn't allowed to go on the Saturday because it was the Jewish day of rest. She waited for the earliest possible moment and arrived and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. John tells us the moving story, how she left the tomb wanting to tell Peter, and the other disciples, and she found Peter and another disciple, who we presume to be John, and she, she rushed to them in their lodgings in Jerusalem and said, the stone's, the stone's been removed, there's no body in the tomb. And Peter and the other disciple rushed down to the tomb as fast as they could, and John outran Peter and, but, and waited at the edge of the tomb, and Peter rushed in and saw the, the linen clothes, the very linen clothes that Jesus had been buried in, folded neatly in the tomb. And so it is that we come to the key moment that I just want to talk about this morning. Peter and John rushed off again to go and tell everybody else. But in a moving, beautiful account, John says something wonderful in verse 11. Now Mary Stood outside the tomb, crying. Why was she crying? So many mixed emotions. The trauma of seeing Jesus killed brutally. The the, the, the huge tragedy of seeing the stone rolled in front of the, the tomb the extraordinary sense of hope and uncertainty about the empty tomb, all these incredibly intense emotions, and they caught up with Mary at that moment. And you know what it feels like when you've got all these mixture of emotions inside you and suddenly you you just weep. The emotion's just too much. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked a woman, why are you crying? Seems a strange question to me. I would have thought that's pretty obvious. But they were searching more deeply. They were prophetically anticipating something that was just about to happen to Mary. Any second now, they knew what was going to happen to Mary. They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. This may be because she was blinded by the light of the early morning or because the glory of the presence of Jesus made his appearance somewhat different to her. He asked a woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she she said, "Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him, and I will and I will get him." But Jesus said to her, "Mary." And as he spoke to her, she immediately recognized the voice. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, "Rabboni," which means "Teacher." And Jesus said. Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. And so we see in this incredible narrative, the story of the resurrection from the first recorded witness, Mary Magdalene, a faithful disciple. Subsequent legendary accounts known as the Gnostic Gospels have suggested that she was a prostitute and had some wrong relationships with Jesus. And by the way, that's all legend. There's nothing of that in the scriptures. It's completely untrue. This was a godly woman. This was a woman who didn't just want healing for the sake of personal freedom. She identified that this was the Messiah and that she wanted to commit herself to his kingdom. And so she made that difficult and dangerous journey to Jerusalem. And she went through all the emotional trauma of the last two or three days of Jesus's life and the crucifixion. And she was there at the burial and she was there in the right place at the right time. And the angel spoke to her and then Jesus called out to her in the very first resurrection appearance that we have in the Gospels. And he said, Mary, one word was enough. And she knew in that instance That all his talk before about rising from the dead. Because he'd said many times he was going to rise from the dead. And the apostles found it difficult to understand. She suddenly realized that it was true. That he meant it. That he could do it. That he could be raised from the dead. And so in those famous words she went to the disciples and said. I've seen the Lord. And so the astonishing account of the resurrection unfolds in the Gospels from this point. Shortly afterwards, the other women who are around the tomb at a similar time have a direct encounter with Christ. Shortly after that, two disciples walking on a road near Jerusalem to a little village called Emmaus suddenly find that uh, a mysterious person draws up alongside them and they suddenly realize it's Jesus. They rush back to tell the disciples and Then they find that Peter's already had a separate resurrection appearance. And then in the evening, the 11 disciples with Judas Iscariot having betrayed Jesus. The 11 in an upper room, in a sealed upper room, have an appearance of Jesus as he comes literally through the walls miraculously and he appears before them and he shows them his hands and his feet. So on the first day, on Easter Sunday, we have five resurrection appearances recorded in the Gospels with five different groups of people in a variety of different locations. And it all starts with this humble, insignificant disciple by the name of Mary Magdalene. I hope that this story fills you with joy afresh today, as it does with me, to actually remember The historical facts, the accounts that are given to us in the Gospels to imagine what it was like for the people who first encountered Christ risen from the dead after the intense trauma of his death on Good Friday and the intense uncertainty of that Saturday, that Sabbath day when they didn't know what was going to happen next. Then suddenly he appeared. And then for 40 days from this time onwards, he made appearances here and there to groups of people before he ascended to heaven. I first encountered the resurrected Christ at the age of 15, and it happened like this. I was in a boarding school, and I'd been evangelized by some teachers who, who believed in Christ, and they showed me about Jesus dying again on the cross, and I found that deeply fascinating. But it was only, and I can remember it vividly to this day, and it was more than 45 years ago, it was only when I thought, when I was, it was explained to me that the resurrection was a real physical event, that I actu- it actually dawned on me that Christian belief was a possibility. You see, Christianity depends on the resurrection of Jesus absolutely and utterly. The death of Jesus doesn't achieve anything unless Jesus himself can triumph over death and show the way that we might triumph. And I remember all those years ago being fascinated and moved to know that it was actually historically true that Jesus rose again from the dead and one of the things that happens within us when we think about the resurrection i wonder whether this has happened to you it happens to me every easter and on other occasions and it happened to me earlier this morning i have an experience that's very like the experience of the women who in Matthew 28, just before they encountered Jesus, when they'd seen the empty tomb, rather like Mary Magdalene, the other women hurried away from the tomb. And it said in Matthew 28, verse 8, this interesting phrase, afraid, yet filled with joy. And the resurrection has an ability to create within the Christian And a feeling of intense joy and happiness when we remember how secure and how real that reality is. They were filled with joy because they knew in their heart of hearts that Jesus had risen from the dead. I hope that you've got some of that joy this morning in Christ. Paul said, Interestingly, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19, if for, for this life only we have hope in Christ, we have all people the most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. So we have to say once again and really lay this foundation, Christianity is not a prop Christianity is not a moral code that will get you through this life. Christianity is not something to salvage a guilty conscience in a temporary way. Christianity is not a message just to build up your self-esteem. Christianity is not a message just to give you a sense of community when you feel alone. Christianity is a transforming message that has the power to take us to an eternal destiny with Christ through the power of the resurrection. That's what our faith is. And that's what Paul proclaimed at this time. And that's what we reaffirm on Easter Sunday with joy. We're going to sing at the end of this talk. We're going to conclude with a song. But before we get there, there's just one more thing that I want to say. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul speaks about the resurrection at great length. And his final verse is hugely significant. Having spoken of Christ raised from the dead, having spoken of the fact that we're going to experience physical resurrection, having spoken of the fact that our physical resurrection will take place at the time that Christ comes again. Having said all these things, he ends 1 Corinthians 15, 58 by saying, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I found this one of the most encouraging verses in all my Christian experience. I memorized it as a teenager and it's been with me ever since. Stand firm. So if there's anyone today and you think, well, actually, the last year I've had some terrible experiences and difficulties to go through. And for some of you, that will be true. I've, I've, I've actually secretly doubted some of my faith. I, I've doubted the value of community life in the church or sharing my faith or prayer or commitment to Christ. I, I've, I've wanted to step back, step into the shadows can I say to you, reconsider those thoughts in the light of the resurrection? You're standing on solid ground. Very, very solid ground when you commit yourself to Christ. And if there's anybody here who's looking into this call, listening into this call, and you're not sure of your faith, or you had a faith that isn't alive now, can I encourage you? This is the day, Easter Sunday to reaffirm that faith, to enter into that faith, to commit yourself to Christ because he died for you and he also rose again from the dead for you and for me. So folks, this is our faith. It doesn't change. It doesn't move. The facts don't change. The gospel doesn't change. The testimony of the scriptures is unambiguous. clear many many people saw Jesus risen from the dead not an apparition not a hallucination not mass hysteria not a dream not a vision not brought about by hallucinations from drugs all these theories have been around no they saw him they saw him in his body Mary knew from one word Jesus spoken to her. When he said Mary, she knew this was the risen Christ. And that's who we're celebrating today. And I hope you can say amen and hallelujah to that.